With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Spiritual Go with Brother Rod. Tonight we have another exciting episode to start our fall 18 season. Coming into our eighth year. I'm so excited about the word God has for us this year. Um, to this year's, um, this fall season is titled Mark My Word. Um, it's a play on words. Um, and a title to Galatians 6 and 7. So thank you guys for joining again. Um, if you have your books ready, we're going to start with Mark chapter 1 and Mark chapter 2. Um, so we, as you know, we first start our Bible studies with Romans 10 and 9. As you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. That's our key verse to salvation. Um, it's our goal that everyone here, that everyone we come in contact with is saved if you have any more questions about that verse, just get in contact with myself and we'll connect you with a body um, for your new journey with Christ. Tonight's Bible study is also brought to you by GoGospel.com and GoGospel Clothing Apparel, where it's for God, for you, for family, and for charity, where 10% of all proceeds uh, from the clothing line will go to charity. So mark my words, right? So so you, you've heard it said before, hey, bro, you can believe me. Hey, sis, you can believe me. Mark my words. Right. Usually, mark my word is 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 associated with a truth. A person is telling you to mark their word, like count what I say, put it down, what I'm saying to you. So I'm saying to myself, mark my word. What do you mean? Well, we study in the book of Mark and to play on words because in Galatians six and seven, it says, "Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap." So what do you mean? Well, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. So I'm taking the mock and associate with Mark, right? Because, like, mark my word, God will not be deceived, and whatever you sow is what you're going to read. What are you saying? I'm saying believe that. You will reap what you sow. So then it goes on to say if you sow into the flesh, then you're going to reap of the flesh. Well, if you sow into the spirit, you're going to reap of the spirit. So mark my word, this is going to be a great fall of the spirit to go. Amen. So let's just do a little intro into Mark. Who is Mark? What is Mark about? All right, so we got the four gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, but Mark intro is since Mark is the shortest gospel and about 90% of his material also occurs in Matthew, Luke. He has colorful details that the others do not. For example, he mentions the way Jesus looked at disciples, how he was angry, how he walked ahead of, on the road to Jerusalem. He no doubt got these touches from Peter, with whom he was associated at the end of Peter's life, right? So Mark was known to be Peter's associate. What do you mean? Kind of like a disciple of Peter, he would follow Peter, and Peter would tell him these stories about the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he would write them down and jot them down. So that's how we wind, and that's how we get Mark, right? Mark's gospel is essentially Peter's reminiscence, which will account for the personal details, the action, the eyewitness effects of the book. 
So again, Mark is like Peter's associate. So he's sitting telling these stories and he's repeating all these things um, that he have learned from Peter and that Peter has taught him, right? So let's start with Mark chapter 1. Let's get into chapter 1 and let's see how it starts. Um, it's titled John the Baptist Prepares the Way, but it's, it's plenty more in this chapter other than that. Um, I'm titling that based off of a, that's just how chapter 1 starts. But I want you to see here, it says, it's verse 1, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So we identify who we're talking about to get the book started. Let's see, first of all, let's establish who we're going to be talking about. So it says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, specifically, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Mark his path straight. Um, Make his path straight. Verse 4 says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for, rem for remission. Now, the thing about that is that's a prophecy fulfilled. Right? That's a prophecy fulfilled. So that was mentioned in Malachi 3 and 1 and Isaiah 40 and 3. So this, and you can see the text is in your Bibles, it's different because this is this was told in the Old Testament and now it's fulfilled in the New Testament. But what is it saying? John the Baptist came as the forerunner. The forerunner is the one that goes before whoever's coming and prepares a way, right? So the forerunner runs ahead and says, hey, such and such is coming, right? The bride is coming. You know, he can be, he, the rain bearer, whoever goes forward, can be seen as a forerunner. So here's John the Baptist. He's baptizing in the wilderness according to the word of God. And verse 4 says, John came baptizing in the wilderness. And what was he doing? Preaching a baptism of repentance for the remissions of sin. So that's his foundation. Not only is he baptizing, of repentance, but he's preaching repentance for the remissions of sin. He's saying, hey, we got to turn away from our sins, right? Turn away, turn away, turn away from your sins. You need to be saved. Jesus is coming. But here's the thing. It's the forerunner lesson that's good to be taught at this time because Jesus died for the remissions of sin. If Jesus, Christ, if Jesus doesn't come, die on the cross for our sins, there would be no remissions of sin. Sin would just stay rapid, and we all would be on the road to hell. Amen. Verse 5 says, Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel hair. This is important. Oh, let me just backtrack one, backtrack one minute. So the, the repentance wasn't just repentance, right? To, to repent is to make an about faith. Right? Meaning to make a turn from that which you was doing that was a sinful nature. So not 360, not to turn around and go back to it, but it was a back faith. So John was preaching the about faith. Amen. So wanted to get that in there before uh, I kept pushing. Okay, so now, verse 6. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. I don't know about you, but that don't sound like steak, shrimp, uh, 
seasoned vegetables, <laughs> apple pie, right? It says he ate locusts and wild honey, dressed in camel hair. Verse 7 says he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he baptized you with the Holy Spirit. Now, perhaps he could have been rich, but he chose to be poor. He thus became a fitting herald of him who had nowhere to lay his head. What do you mean? We're talking about Jesus. Right? That meekness, that lowliness. We learn here that simplicity should characterize all who are servants of the Lord. Simplicity. What do you mean? The lowliness. The not wanting of things before before the Lord. Yes, he wants to have nice nice things, but there's no boast, there's no brag. Here's the simplicity. He chose that. What I love about it in verse 7, it says, and he preached, preached saying, there comes one. Not two, not three, not four. You want to highlight one, underline it, boldly, right? That's how I would have it in my old Bible studies. One, after me, who is mightier than I. So he describes the Lord as being mighty, and it's just one. Don't get twisted. He is the one. Not two, not three, not four. He number one, as the Chileans would say, right? He says, indeed, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit. That's a good note. Highlight Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is yet to come. Amen. This is good Bible study. All right, so verse 9, John, John baptizes Jesus. As you can see, John starts his gospel from this point, right? There's no three wise men. There's no manger. There's no Mary, Joseph. We jump right into it. Amen. So now we're at the point where John baptizes Jesus. In verse 9, it says, It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Verse 10, and immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens part and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Amen. This is good. Let me back up. John did not consider himself worthy to lose to loose the saver's sandal strap, right? Loosen sandal straps. Why is that important, brother? Why? Because it's a mental duty of a slave. You got a slave, you have a master. So then he says, just like a slave, because you are the master. He says, spirit-filled preaching always exalts the Lord Jesus and dethrones oneself. It's still just that Mental, low mentality. John baptized baptism was with water. It was an external symbol but produced no change in a person's life. Jesus would baptize them with the Holy Spirit. This baptism would produce a great inflow of spiritual power. Amen? Amen. Now, so he goes, he gets baptized, and the sky is open, and the Lord voice says, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. My beloved son shows possession, right? 
And at the same time, he honors him by saying to A, and you know what? With you, I am pleased. What do you mean? Why is that important? This is how the father talks to the son. So we out in places and we hear parents talking to their children, and 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 it's, it's sometimes we don't hear we're well pleased. <laughs> they don't have that relation to where how you talk to them. Well, in a, in a in a point example at this point in time, at this baptism, which is the time of of outward uh, pronouncing of a new you. Right? The old has gone and the new has come. The Lord is well pleased. And we should also be with our children and with ourselves when we take that that leap of baptism. Amen. So now he gets baptized, he comes, he meets John. John says, Hey, hey, come, he the one. I can be doing it with water. He's gonna do it with the spirit. Uh, Doug come down, touch his face, sky, oh Lord say, bam. All right, what's next? So immediately in verse twelve it says. And we're reading from the New King James Version, which is the Bible of the house. It says, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, <laughs> and he was there in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. Right? That's the abbreviated version. If you read the other books, we'll see it was a lot more that went into that, right? But for the sake of Bible study, let's stay right here. The Bible says, after that happened immediately. And say, Brother Rod, what do you mean? Well, a lot of times the Lord will speak to us. The Lord will give us revealing uh, notions and, and, and will bless us, and, right, and, we, and we will have these challenges that he will deliver us from and bless us with. And then all of a sudden, immediately, Pastor May preaches that, hey, I want you guys to practice your patience. Here's a, here's, a, here's, a, here's a sermon about patience. And what happens as soon as you get out of the church, not even Monday, you get tested to see that what you have been given is truly learned. Testings are inevitable for the believers. Like, you're going to have them. The closer one follows the Lord, the more intense they will be. Satan does not waste his gun power on normal Christians, but open his big guns on those who are winning territory in spiritual warfare. That's important. It's not a sin to be tempted, the sin lies in yielding to temptation. In our own strength, we cannot resist, but the indwelling Holy Spirit and the believer's power is the believer's power to subdue dark passions. Ooh, that's hard right there. Let me say it one more time. The sin lies in yielding to temptation. It is not a sin to be tempted, though. In our own strength, we can resist, but the inner dweller of the Holy Spirit is the believer's power to subdue dark passions. The Bible says itself, submit to God. Flee from, and, and, and not the devil, and he will flee. Amen. Wow, this is good. So let's keep let's let's, see, let's keep moving. So Jesus tempted. He goes into the wilderness, and after the forty days, the angels they come, they minister to him, they give him food, so he get his strength back. So now he's been tested, right? So he so he's passed the test. He's graduated. He got his degree. So now he's getting ready to start ministry. So he ain't taking no vacation. He got his degree. 
Thank you, Mom and Dad. Hey, everybody, party. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Amen. He got right to work. Verse 14 says, now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. So now he's preaching. He's operating according to God's will, his calling, and the power. And what is he preaching? The gospel of the kingdom of God. Verse 15 is saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Amen. Repent to turn away from sin. Jesus comes into a sinful world and telling them to repent. But here's the thing. The time is fulfilled. All that was mentioned is being fulfilled now. I am here. So he set, so he set the foundation. So he goes out preaching the good news. Christ is here. He's born. We're leading up to the death and the resurrection. This is the news. But watch this. As he goes, in verse 16, he gets four fishermen called as disciples. What he means is and as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishermen of men. Watch this, verse 18. Say, they immediately left their nets and followed him. I don't know about you, but what I'm saying here, that has to be some power involved. You say, Brother, why you say that? Well, see, at that time, just like whatever the highest paying job is now, that was it. Fishing was a big business, right? So he calls fishermen. He says, listen, follow me, and I will make you fishermen of men. Verse 19 says, when he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the, his brother, who also were in the boat, men of their net, and immediately he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Wow. So, But we know in the story, in the other Gospels, this story is bigger than that because they cast their nets. They caught a big catch that it broke the nets, right? So we know the story, right? Right. So, But here's the thing, though. This is, this is what I want you guys to see that you don't miss in this Bible study is that fishing is the art. I don't know how many people ever fished before, but fishing is the art, right? So, and so, and so is soul winning. So he strategically called his disciples based on skill set. Say, Brother Rod, what do you mean? Well, if fishing is an art, and we're saying here tonight that and so is soul winning, it requires patience. Oh, my goodness. What do you mean? He said, I will make you fishermen of men. I will make you be able to go out and catch and win souls for the kingdom. But what's one of the things it's going to take? Because I've been telling people, man, you need to come to church. Man, you need to come to church. Man, you need to start doing it. And, Lord, they ain't listening. Well, if you're a fisherman, you understand that even with ourselves, we had some time, right? It took some patience. 
I just went fishing not too long ago with my, with my dad and my son. It's like it took a minute to catch that first fish. But what I understood by being out there on the water that it took some patience. So here's he calls them. He says, listen, let me, let me just give you some points about the art of fishing. It requires patience. Often there are lonely hours of waiting. So what else it requires? It requires skill in the use of bait, lures, and nets. So you got to have the right kind of lure. You got to have the right kind of bait. Because isn't that the same thing Satan doing the opposite to lure your soul to his side? Teach. Boy, I'm trying. Because he will use music. He will use expensive things. He will use the lust of the eyes. Right? Anything to entice you to come up. But he uses his bait. Whether it's other people. Right? He finds your desire. So God says, listen, in order for to be fit, you need to be skillful. You must have patience. It requires discernment and common sense. It's going where the fish are running. So we don't need to be fishing in empty ponds. We're just all in the church fishing. Well, these fish are already caught. <laughs> you don't pay for Hey, let me get three trout at uh, one bass and three tilapia. What that is, 20. No, not we ain't fishing like that. Amen? So it requires some discernment and some common sense. It requires persistency. And that's the key. I don't know how many of y'all listen to Khaled or Secular Mute, but that's a major key. Persistency. A good fisherman is not easily discouraged. It, requ- it requires quietness. The best positive is to avoid disturbance and keep self in the background. We become fishermen and men by following Christ. The more like him we are, the more successful we will be in winning others to him. Our responsibility is to follow him and he will take care of the rest. Amen. So that's it. He said, listen, follow me, fish like this. And I'm going to show you how to do it. Right? The power of the tongue, the power of the speech. He went to him and he said, follow me. And immediately they followed Christ. Amen. Verse 21 says, um, so we're in Mark chapter 1, verse 21. And it says, then they went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he enters the synagogue and taught. Verse 22 says, and they were astonished at his teaching, and he taught them as one having authority and not as a scribe. What do you mean? John was teaching. Here Jesus is teaching. What's different about his teaching? What's the difference about what he's saying that these people are so astonished at his teaching? Well, the Bible says he taught them as one, right? Remember, we talked about the one, having authority. So you say, Brother Rob, what that means to us? Well, everyone who teaches the word of God should speak with authority or not speak at all. What do you mean? The psalmist said, I believe, therefore I spoke. That's in Psalms 116, verses 10. Now, if... So, so that's speaking in authority. 
Verse 23, now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, this is the spirit inside of the man speaking. So the unclean spirit acknowledged Jesus specifically as of Nazareth. Because at the time, the name of Jesus was a popular name, actually. So which one are you talking Of Nazareth. He said, listen, I know who you are. Did you come to destroy us? What do you mean? So that means he has the power. He's been speaking in authority. He's been saying simple words, having men follow him. So even the unclean spirit acknowledged who Jesus is. He said, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. That's some spiritual realm talk. You are the Holy One of God. What a title. But in verse 25, but Jesus rebukes him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him, and then they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, back to that, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately he framed His fame spread throughout the region and all around Galilee. Here's my thing, and I got this when I was reading this. Now, if the unclean spirit obeys, what is it about the clean spirit? So if the unclean spirit obeys, say, we know who you are, I submit. The clean spirit definitely should. Amen. Recognizing the authority, but it seemed like it's the opposite. Amen. Even the unclean spirit submits and obeys God. So therefore, we in clean spirit, quote unquote, should truly obey the word of God, should truly obey God. Amen. The spirit. So therefore, let's keep pushing. So now, uh, uh, so that happened. Uh, his fame spread out through the region of Galilee, right? People are hearing of these miracles, uh, uh, that miracle that was being performed, and people are not following him. It's like, man, God performed a miracle, called spirit out. We go to verse 29. He says, now, so Jesus, before I go further, Jesus takes what's unclean and makes it clean. That's powerful. So he say, look, follow me, watch this. I rebuke, come out. So the unclean spirit lives in a man. Jesus calls the unclean spirit out. He makes that which was unclean, clean. There's no power like it. So then in verse 29, Peter's mother-in-law is here. Watch this, verse 29. So he goes from making that which is unclean, clean, his next miracle is that not. Now, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, verse 29, they entered to the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. 
So verse 31, so he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately fever left her, and she served him. What do you mean? It's something about the touch of the Lord that should drive you to want to serve him. That coming in touch with the Lord, like we get saved and it's like, bro, okay, now let's go. What? We, no, I'm just going to pay my tithe and sit down. No, it should be something in your touch from the Lord that would desire to you to want to serve him. So the Bible says immediately. Let's go that word immediately. We're going to see it through all out the gospel. And then it says immediately the fever left her and she served him. The least I can do. I can be thankful. He heals. He's a healer. Many heal at the Sabbath on sunset. So verse 32 says, at evening when the sun had set, they brought him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. There we go again. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases, various diseases, and cast out many demons, not some, but many. And he did not allow demons to speak because they knew him. Amen. Now, verse 35. Now, in the morning, having risen, but hold on, I got to go back to that. I can't go fast. Watch this. Verse 34 says, then he healed many who were sick in various diseases. So no matter what the sickness is, Jesus. He cast out many demons, but here's here's, here's an underline, here's a highlight. He did not allow them to speak. Why? Because they knew him. So even the inner, the demons, the unclean spirits acknowledge and know who Jesus is. Say he is the one. I know who he is. He's like, now is the time. We got to give man enough time to acknowledge who the Lord and Savior truly is. But even the unclean does. So the least should we. Got to keep going. Wow, this is good. Now in the morning, verse 35, now in the morning, Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. That's important. The Lord multiple times would go and pray to the Father, right? So so should we. Why? Because it's intimacy. It's one-on-one. Time with the Lord. It's quality. Because this is the first time that the son and the father had been separated. So what was he used to doing when he was in heaven? He used to hang with his father. Right? Because the three are one. They're together all the time. They've been together since the beginning. In the beginning, let us. Who is us? Well, so he goes into that. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Verse 38, but he said to them, let us go into the next town that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. So the gospel is moving. It's just not staying selfishly in one place. And he was preaching in the synagogue throughout all of Galilee and casting out demons. And verse 40, it says, now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, my God, you can make me clean. So surely if he can make the unman clean from an unclean spirit, surely, Lord, cleanse me. Make me whole. He's been doing it since the beginning of the time. But the Bible says, if you are willing, 
not my will, but your will. But here's the kick I love about the faith and the belief of the leper is that he was willing to recognize that if it's God's will, he can do anything. Teach. Boy, I'm trying. So verse 41 says, then Jesus moved with compassion. What that mean, compassion? That means he was really compassionate about the, the request of the person. You ever talk to Jesus, speak to Jesus, pray to Jesus, and, and, and just pray like, Lord, I pray that this prayer moves you with compassion. And when Jesus moves with compassion, action is about to take place. Because now he has become effectively invested in the request. So he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing to be cleansed. Amen. I am willing to be cleansed. Here's the thing. I am. It's another time, if you pay attention, where Jesus gives a glimpse of who he truly is, meaning God. What do you mean, brother? Well, in the, in the Old Testament, he, Moses asked the Lord, say, well, who should I say sent me? So the Lord says, I am who I am. Amen. Who has that type of power? God, to cleanse, cleanse a man that's, that's a leopard? So he says, again, we read in red, I am willing. Right? It's my will. Be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoke immediately, that's that word again, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing, cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Amen. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer open, openly enter the city but was outside in the, in the desert deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. It was a reason at this time that the Lord didn't want him to go because he knew that if he spread it, he wouldn't be able to go into the city and move around and, 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 and to do more work, right? But I, I can kind of understand the young man. If I came in contact with Jesus off of the disease that has never been healed, I would want to tell everybody, too, about what God had done for me. Amen. And not only could they could they hear it, they could see it, because he was known. Amen. So that's chapter one. We, we've wrapped chapter one, and uh, we're going to do our best to get through chapter two here. Amen. But this is good, and I hope everyone is getting something and seeing how we're walking through um, this book of Mark. Mark my word, it's going to be great, and it's been great so far. So chapter two, Jesus forgives and heals a paralytic. Verse one says, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Here's our word, verse 2, chapter 2. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive him, not even near the door. And what, he, what is he doing? And he preached the word to them. Verse 3, they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men, right? We know this story. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed in which the paralytic was lying. And verse 5 says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Hold up. When Jesus saw the paralytic? Nah, when Jesus saw the faith of the ones 
who he who lowered him down through the roof. Now, I don't know about you, but what some of my friends that are willing to help me get to Christ, that they will go up on a roof and tear a roof. What is that about? It's their faith that led to him, his sins being forgiven. Well, the Bible says without faith is impossible to please God. Well, the Bible did go say faith without works is dead. Well, what is faith? Faith is the thing hoped for and evidence of things not seen. But you got to have enough faith. You can have enough faith that your sins can be forgiven. What do you have to do? Believe Jesus Christ, Lord, and say, how much faith? Size of a mustard seed. <laughs> Watch. And he's forgiven of not only, he didn't say you forgive it of, of being crippled. He said, I'm going to forgive you of your sins. He said, I forgave the sins and healed the, healed the crippleness at the same time. But the key thing is the forgiveness of the sin. That's what it's all about. That's why I'm here. Verse 6 says, and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Here we go. So we say, oh, you got haters? Well, Jesus got haters too. Boy, you can't do nothing. If you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. All right, so let's get into that. Let's let's get in the hater part of chapter two. So you see how Jesus is walking through this? Ever since he got out of class and graduated, now here we go. Right? So some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemy like this? Oh, okay. Who can forgive sins but God only? But you and I know. They don't know. They're not recognizing. But in verse 8 says, but immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easy to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to Perlet, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your home, to your house. And immediately he rose. Now we get, the sins were forgiven first. Now we're talking about get up. Come on with it. Immediately he rose up, took up his bed, and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God. Not glorified him, but they glorified God because God was the one that did the healing. Amen. We should always give God the glory when he does whatever he does for us. And I love it. He says, we never saw anything like this. Show you right. This is God. And people are going to say the things about you. He said, greater works will you do. You will do some things that people are going to say, I ain't never seen nobody do that. I ain't seen, never seen nobody. I ain't never seen nobody bless nobody like Because God that is within you via the Holy Spirit. What do you mean? Well, verse 8, it says, but when Jesus perceived in his spirit. But he God, though. He Jesus, though. Yeah, but the spirit lives inside of him. He said, what do you mean by this, bro? Even Jesus followed the spirit. Wow. So how did Jesus move? He moved by the spirit. 
The Bible says earlier in the chapter one that Jesus was led into the wilderness by who? The Spirit. So if Jesus followed the Spirit, then therefore so should we also. So if we somewhere in the Spirit like, hey, man, we need to get up out of here, guess what? We need to get up out of here. Because even Jesus followed the Spirit. <laughs> Teach. Boy, I'm trying. He said, why do you reason about these things in your heart? What you mean? They had said nothing. It ain't like they said it out loud. It ain't like they had social media and they posted and he read it. Jesus is so powerful that he is God to show them, listen, you can hide from man, but you can't hide it from me. I can read your heart. If that ain't cheating. So you mean, Lord, if I, yeah. That just want a heart and the mind, same thing. Oh, I can read your mind. He said that he knew that they had reasoned these things in their hearts. Let's keep pushing. Uh, give me a few more minutes, and we're we right here. Uh, verse 13, Matthew the tax collector. So <clears throat> then he went out again by the sea, and all multitude came to him, and he taught them, and he passed by. He saw Le, uh, Le, Levi, the son of Alphesius, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. So he's still at it. But what's different this time? It's not a fisherman. Oh, I thought all the way you could be a disciple of Jesus, you had to be a fisherman. He said, no, that ain't how that works. I'm here for all, all come. So here's a tax collector. He's a tax collector. Now, it happened as he was dining in the Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners, highlight sinners, read, Underline it, also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 17 says, When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It makes 20 sense, right? So Jesus goes out and says, listen, remember we talked about fishing earlier? And it was art. So Jesus was the ultimate fisher. He was the best fisher. He went, for, he went where there were fish. He said, here's where the people need a physician because these people are sick. Right? I'm in the hospital. I'm in the, they even be in the church talking about, no, you teach. Boy, I'm trying. Watch this, though. So Jesus is questioning about fasting. So in verse 18, it says, the disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, why do the disciples of John and on the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Verse 19 says, and Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bride of the groom fast while the bride of the groom are with them? What do you mean? As long as they have the bride of the groom with them, they cannot fast. I still don't understand. Verse 20, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and they will fast in those days. Okay, now it's making more sense. No one sews a piece of unstrung clothes on an old garment or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. Huh? And no one puts new wine in an old wineskin or else the new wine bursts in the wineskin, the wine is spilled, and the wineskin are ruined. But new wine must be put in new wineskin. What is the meaning of this? I'll break it down later. I'm going to break it down, though. All right, so let's keep moving. Verse 23, now it happened that he went through 
the grain fields of, of the Sabbath, and they went. His disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. Verse 24, and the Pharisees said to him, look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? So the, the, the Pharisees are just following him now. They're just trying to get him on something. They don't like him. You know what I'm saying? And it goes to show you that everybody with you ain't with you. Right? Which is amazing because it's still that same way to this day. The scribes thought they were well. Therefore, they did not recognize their need for a great physician. The tax collector and the sinners admitted to their guilt and that they needed help. Jesus came to call the sinners like them and not the self-righteous people. But here's the thing. The scribes thought they would ruin the Lord's reputation by calling him a friend of sinners. Wow. But look, let's keep going. For 25. But he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need of hunger and he, he indulged with him? So now he's going to the word. So how does he come back these allegations, these questions? He's using the word of God. He says how he went into the house of God in the days and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priest, and also gave some of those who were with him. 27, he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord on the Sabbath. Amen. What I want y'all to get there, and, and we're done. It's chapter 2. I'm five minutes over, but I thank you guys for staying with me. But I want to go back just right quick for the sake of those who will come after us and, and um, read this chapter. Give me one second more. Second more. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay. Okay, so the bridegroom, I want to explain that. As long as he, Jesus, was with them, there was no occasion for an outward demonstration of sorrow because Jesus was with them. But there was days that were coming when he would be taken away and they would have to occasionally fast. That's what that was all about. Immediately, the Lord added two illustrations to announce the arrival of the new era, which was incapable with the previous one, right? So that's when he was talking about the new wine, the old wine, right? So legalism, why, why are they eating bread out the field? Christianity has always suffered from man's attempt to miss in legalism. The Lord Jesus taught the two are incapable. Law and grace are opposing principles, right? So that was that. Um, instead of the Pharisees extending hospitality to Jesus, they were just criticizing him and trying to catch him in all kind of mischief. So the story will get better in chapter three. We will continue. All right, closing notes. All right. So, ooh, in closing notes, we will walk as Jesus walked in our lives, speak in authority, and be great fishermen using the tools that we have been given according to the word of God. We thank the Lord for the lesson that was given tonight. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come and read your word and study your word, Father God. Lord, we pray that as we continue to read your word and study you and follow you, Lord, that you continue to place this within our spirit and our heart, Lord, so that we may go out and daily function, Lord, and give us not only a daily bread, but a daily wisdom for those who can see us and want to follow 
our character, want to follow our wants and our desires as we search and go after you, Father God. Lord, we say that anything that we've done this week or this day, Lord, that was unpleasing to you, Lord, that you just clean our hearts, our minds, and our spirit, Father God, that we may honor you and forgive us for our sins. We love you and we honor you in all that we do. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.